Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Go with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bible or an app, to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And just to bring a little context to this scripture, um, God has spoken to the prophet Samuel and he says, go to King Saul. And I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites and the, um, the punishment that the Amalekites gave them when he was bringing them out of Egypt. I want you to go and completely destroy the nation, completely destroy the people and the animals. And then we'll pick up in chap, uh, verse 7. It says, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havelah as, such, as far as Shur, which is the east of Egypt, and he took Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good. They did not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. God said, I regret that I made, king, that I made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And, Saul was, and Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose up the next morning to meet Saul. And he was told Sam, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. Then Samuel met him there, and when Saul saw him, he said, Blessed be to you, the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, Then what is this bleating of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. Though you are little in your own eyes and you are not the head, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the soil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Sam, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. What are you talking about? I did what you said. I have gone and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Isn't that what you wanted from me? Then Samuel says this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. So we're going to talk about obedience today. Um, it's going to be good. I'm telling you there's a good part coming. And we're in the fall season, so I wanted to do a little play on words. I'm going to talk to you today from a sermon called True Harvest true harvest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that's about to come. I pray that the soil is good and we have ears to hear what you're about to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So find your favorite neighbor, take a seat, and tell them, buckle up. Welcome everybody watching us online. We're so excited that you're tuning in with us today. Um, if you don't know me, I am 
I lead the finance team here, so I'm a numbers guy. My dad is an engineer, and he force-fed me math and science. So I really didn't have a choice growing up. It was engineering all day of the week. But what that has created in me is I see patterns everywhere. I see patterns in the Bible. And if you see something multiple times over and over again in the Bible, you should do a deep analysis. And one of the questions I had about the tithe, I tithe and have been for a long time, but the question was why 10%? That's such a specific number, right? Why not 3%? One for God, one for God the Father, one for God the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. That would make sense. Why not 7%? Seven is the number of completion, perfection. That makes sense. Why not, why not 12%? Oh, Aaron, you're going too far. You're going too far. And I see some of your faces. What you're thinking is, oh, God added 3 and 7, and he got 10. But I'm actually going to show you it is much deeper than simple math. Quick survey, how many commandments are there? 10. How many plagues did God send against Egypt? 10. You're very well, you're tracking with me. Let's go a little bit deeper. Numbers 14, 20 through 23, God just brought the Israelites out of Egypt and they're rebelling against him. And God says this, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. Shall see the land I swore to give their fathers and of those who despise shall see it. You follow me? Luke 19, 12 through 15, with the New Testament now, um, the parable of the 10 um, pounds. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minutes and said to them, engage in business until I return. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. The first thing that he did when he came back was he called for his servants to see what they had gained from doing business. Are you with me? Matthew 24, 42 through 44, Jesus says this, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. The Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. The very next chapter, Matthew 25, 1 through 10, Then the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise, for the foolish took their lamps but, have, but did not take oil with them. And the wise took flasks with oils for their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. I'll skip to the end. The bridegroom's returns, as Jesus said he would, unexpectedly. And says, those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. So if you look at these scriptures on the screen that we just went through, what you'll see is that the number 10 is actually consistent throughout the entire Bible. There's two main um, points connected to the number 10. Testing your obedience. That's what the commandments were. That's what God said. You did not obey my voice in the wilderness. You tested me 10 times, so you will not fulfill, get the reward behind it. The second is around hearing God's voice. So the question is, what is true obedience to God? If we look at the story we just read about Samuel, he was pretty obedient. He destroyed the entire nation except for the king. They destroyed all of the animals except the best because they were going to sacrifice to God. It makes sense. It sounds right. God, I did 99% of what you told me to do. 
But God did not accept 99.9%. He only accepts 100%. There's two main factors to obedience. The first is completeness. The second is consistency. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. I'll say it again. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Why is that so bad? Deuteronomy says it in 8.1. The whole commandment, not partial, not half, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do it, that you may live and multiply. See, there's a blessing attached to being obedient. And go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. The whole commandment. The Israelites decided that they were going to do most of the command. They decided to do the easy stuff. If you were reading along with me, what you heard was they destroyed not the not good animals. God, you can have my limping livestock. God, you can have the stuff that I don't really care about. I'm going to keep the rest for me. And it's so dangerous because no matter what level you are in life, there's always somebody watching you. Disobedience spreads. Your disobedience gives permission to other people to do the exact same thing. And we see this in the scripture. In chapter 8, it says, And he, being Saul, took Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and devoted destruction to the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, check the difference. But Saul and the people... Saul initiated the disobedience, and it gave way for the entire army to do the exact same thing. It says, King Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fattened calves. They destroyed only what was despised and worthless. If we go deeper, the reason why obedience has to be complete is because if you look at the situation, the king represented the root of the evil in the nation. When you spare the root of what God has told you to destroy, it can always grow back. Whether you recognize it or not, you are always watering something. And if there is a root, it has the opportunity to grow back. So that's why God says you need to completely obey me. It's not because I'm on a power trip, but I know if you don't, if you don't pull it up from the root, it has the potential to grow back. It always grows back. And most of the time when something grows back, it grows back stronger. Consistent um, disobedience produces a hardness, but consistent obedience produces a closeness. I said the first is com uh, completeness. The second is consistency. When you lose consistency, you start to lose intimacy. I'll say that again. When you have a lack of consistency, you lose intimacy. And that's the entire point of God. He wants to be in partnership. He wants to be in relationship with you. When we begin to be disobedient, we begin to become deaf to God's voice, and we begin to be blind to our sin. In this story, it's so obvious the sin, he was supposed to destroy all of the animals. Therefore, if there was any animals left, you could literally see the sin, you could smell the sin, you could hear the sin. This is why Sam said, what is this bleeding of cows in my ear? That was not a metaphor. That was literal. Saul, Sam, Saul, I can see the animals. But then Saul says, God, what are you talking about? I fulfilled your commandment. He had become so insensitive to the voice of God that he was not able to see the sin that was right in front of him. Are you guys with me? Are you? The sin could be heard. 
What's louder in your life? God's voice or your sin? And then when you don't have intimacy with God, what you begin to do is rationalize your choices. Saul said, I saved them to give them to you. Aren't we supposed to be generous? Aren't we supposed to tithe? Aren't we supposed to do all of these things? I showed mercy to the king. Aren't we a merciful people? He rationalized it, and it sounds good, but there's a difference between rationalization and repenting. Repenting is a turning of feet. I'm going to change. I recognize what I did, but you have to be in tune with the spirit. You have to be able to hear what he's saying. When you lose intimacy, you start to focus on timing more than the relationship. Timing more than relationship. Easy example. You're in a meeting with friends. You're hanging out. Time flies. You go over the time limit, but the meeting that you don't want to be in, what are you doing? Staring at the clock. You want to go, you want to know what's next for me, what is on my next agenda, what am I doing for dinner tonight? You start to forget why you're there in the first place. The meaning and the relationship that's behind it, why are you in the place that you are? Why are you there? We can apply this to tithing and giving as well. Aaron, I've been tithing for two months. I see no difference. You're focused on the timing. Tithing is not about what you can get. It's about obeying and getting a deepened understanding, a deeper conviction on the inside of you that God has been good, that God will provide. You've lost the intimacy. See, God is very, very kind. He will always, let me tell you back, he will never take you where your character can't keep you. Let me say it a different way. He will never take you where your character can't manage. We've been talking about how do we manage our time, how do we manage our resources. Let's manage and be stewards of what God has told us. And character is built by consistency. Romans 5, 3, 5 says it this way. Not only that we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Catch the word play there, poured into us. God places something into you, is your job to steward it. God speaks to you, is your job to obey it completely and consistently. And this is what true obedience is. I've said the word true twice now, so I'm going to give something for the note takers. Write this down. True. T stands for timely. Obedience must be immediate. It cannot be delayed. It cannot be on your timing. It cannot be when it feels good. It cannot be when it's pleasant, when it works in your schedule. Psalms 19 says this way, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet, there's the repentance, to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commands. The T is timely. The R is repetition. That's the consistent part. The U is unapologetic. You can do what someone asks you to do, but if you're walking, just going through the motions, you're missing the point. Do you know what God has said to you? Do you know why he said it to you? Are you unapologetic? Aaron, I've been tithing, but I'm not sure why. Great question. We can explain that to you. But when someone else asks you, you give that much to church? What's your response? Are you unapologetic about it? God, I know that God is good. I know that this is what he has asked me to do. I know that he will always provide more than I ever need. How is your attitude to what God has told you? T is timely. R is repetition. U is unapologetic. And E is entirety. 
Partial obedience is complete disobedience. True obedience will lead to a true harvest. So Aaron, what you're implying is there is a not true harvest, absolutely. There's a difference between growth and swelling. They look the same on the surface, but under the surface, they are completely different. The medical term for swelling is edema. The definition is puffiness caused by excess fluid trapped in the body's tissue. What is trapped in your life that's not supposed to be there? What is extra in your, in your ear that's not supposed to be there? Anything that's extra from what the Bible says, from what God says, any extra theology, voices, opinions, you have to cut it from the root because it's creating an edema, a swelling in your life that may look like growth, but it's not. And you only can tell that from the inside. The definition for growth, the definition for growth is, I love this so much, development, maturation, or expansion of physical structures or abilities. Can we be a group of Christians who go on a life journey with God? The God, I know you're developing me for something that's in the future. It doesn't matter what comes next. You already have my yes. Can we be mature Christians that, God, I'm going to do everything that you have asked me to do, no matter of the outcome, because I trust you, because I have intimacy with you, because I've seen you be good too far. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight. That sight is the future. It's not what's already happened. Because your memory is to serve the future. God, I've seen you come through. I've seen you be good to me. I've seen you and you're faithful. You will never leave me. You brought me this far. You will never leave me. Mature Christians say yes before the question comes. It's a decision on the inside that has already been developed and matured. A true harvest is unseen. It's intentional, consistent intimacy with God. Obedience waters the plant that is in your spirit, that's in your heart. James 1 says it this way. Therefore, put away all filthiness, there's the complete again, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. We have a seed on the inside of us. Everything that God gives us is in seed form. Every single thing. It's our job to make sure it's in good soil. God says the rain comes from the just and the unjust, so he's going to provide the rain. He's going to provide the nutrients, but it's our job to keep sowing. That's the difference between sowing in the kingdom and gambling. Gambling is an instant payout. Sowing, there's no instant payout because we want to see elevation. Elevation is not always up. Elevation actually goes down first. When you have the right root on the inside of you, it goes down and it searches for the source. Are you attached to the thing that gives life? Are you attached to what God has called you to be? Can you, uh, can you associate what you're doing with the obedience and the voice that God has placed in you? Now, understand that obedience can feel very preachy. It can feel like um, it's being taught at you. But the good news, and I told you it was coming, is that there's a purpose to obedience. There's a plan attached to obedience. Obedience is not God on a power trip. Obedience is to propel you towards your purpose. We have to change our mindset around obedience. It's not a constraint. It's a pathway to your calling. We're in this series called House Money, and the underlining assumption there is that you're part of this house. You're part of the house of God. 
The whole purpose of this series is not to get more givers. It's to get more people of the house. It's to develop, to mature, and get more Christians who are actually being obedient to everything the word has said. And then giving and tithing will be a byproduct. Let's not miss the focus here. We're developing people of our house because the house money goes to the people in the house. Jesus was God's, is God's son, and therefore he received everything. It was not somebody else who was not part of that house. So get, make sure you understand what this series is about. My wife and I, before we got married, uh, we got engaged December 2019, and we made the brilliant decision to move in together. If you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. Um, and we had all the reasons. It's going to be a quick engagement. We'll get married soon. Um, it doesn't make sense to pay two rents. God, we're committed to each other, so we're already in covenant, if you will. And if you look at the timing, December 19 was three months before COVID hit. So there was no more wedding. And once again, came up with excuses. Oh, God, don't you know there's COVID? I can't get married right now. We'll plan it. We'll be able to save up money. I can be more generous with my time. And we were home in Alabama one night, and I heard the Holy Spirit for the very first time speak very clearly to me. And he said five words. He said, what are you waiting for? And I had a list. God, it's COVID. It's the perfect timing. Our friends are out of town. Our family's not out of town. It would have to be very, very small. I don't even know if I can get my home um, hood pastor to marry us. Don't we need to go through counseling first, premarital? Doesn't that make sense? And about halfway through the list, I realized it was a rhetorical question. It will never be the perfect time in your circumstance. Things will always change. Things will always be in flux. But let me tell you, it is always the perfect time to be obedient. The next morning, Dita and I had a conversation, and you're like, you know what? We're submitting our entire life to being obedient to what God has called to us. And seven days later, we were married. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. What I'm saying that is because since that decision, every single thing has lined up perfectly. I am only standing here because of that decision. I'm convinced of it. Because I was immediate with my response. I was consistent in my obedience. I did everything that he told me to do. And from that point, there has been blessing attached to it. I'm telling you, there's a moment in your life where you're going to hear the voice of God. You're either going to elevate or stagnate. The decision is up to you. Write this down. And as I close, Pastor Adam preached about this a while back. There's three A's. There's alignment, assignment, anointing. When you come into alignment, you begin to obey everything that God has told you to do, everything that his word says. There's an alignment there. The anointing can only flow if it's in order. The second is assignment. When you're in alignment, then God can give you the purpose that he has called you to. He has let you know what your calling is. He can place you in good soil to begin to grow and develop. And the third is the anointing. God would never anoint you if you're out of alignment. Obedient is the first step to get into your calling. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, obey. If you want to see growth in your finances, serve. If you want to see growth in your relationships, um, give, right? Everything is important. Everything is linked. 
And we see this very, very clearly in the story with David, with Saul, excuse me. Saul got out of alignment. He missed his obedience to God. There's an opportunity that God put before him and he missed it. Because he missed his alignment, because he got out of alignment, God took his assignment. His assignment for that season was king. And he took that from him. And then the next thing God took is his anointing. Track with me here. 1 Samuel 15 is the story that we read. 1 Samuel 16. If you go look at it in your Bible, the next heading is David anointed king. God will always do his plan. He will not always do it through you. It is up to you to be obedient to what God has for you. There's a purpose, there's a plan that he wants to do, but it requires you to be in alignment, to come under assignment, and then he will give the anointing. And King David was anointed king, but he did not step into the promise for another 25 years. Are you willing to go 25 weeks before seeing what God has promised you? God went 25 years. Why? Because I said it earlier, God is kind. He will never take you where your character can't manage. There was a development that needed to happen. There was a, a maturing that needed to happen in David for him to be everything that God wanted him to be. There has to be a time component to giving and sowing. Farmers know this best. There's never a day off. Never. Never, ever. You must continue to sow. You must continue to sow. You must continue to sow. No matter what, the rain seems to not come. There will be a harvest, but the harvest happens first in you before you see it on the outside. There has to be a growth on the inside that happens. There's a defining moment in your life. God has spoken to some of you a very clear word, and you're making excuses. You're rationalizing it. But he wants you to know his plans for you are better than your plans for you. There's a purpose to obedience. He's trying to get you somewhere that you can't get on your own. You need him. He wants to do it through you. He always works in partnership. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.